Hello and welcome to the Tightwad Teacher Podcast, brought to you by Element Opie Productions, elementopie.com. And now, here are your hosts, John Mikulski and Brian Brueger. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tightwad Teacher, episode 35, Flipping the Classroom for March 6, 2012. Uh, I'm your host, John Mikulski, and joining me is Brian Brueger. Brian, how you doing? I'm upside down. Can we flip the classroom? Oh, 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 that's terrible. Never. Can we just start this whole thing over? And and joining us, Mark, Mark, who's working the board, uh, who can mute Brian whenever he likes. Uh, Mark Cockrell is also He's joining us. Mark, done. how you doing? <laughs> is that really how we want to begin? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I've heard of ending with a bang, but we just began with a groan. Is that really <laughs> what we want to do? I don't yes, know. Start- it sets them up for what's about to come. Yeah. So, well, as... Uh, Brian's terrible, terrible pun suggests our topic this week is flipping the classroom. Uh, and if you don't know what that means, we have um, Andrew Miller coming on to tell us a little bit about that. He's a, a blogger for Edutopia, and he recently has done some writing on the topic, you know, among other things. So he will be joining us in just a few minutes. But before we get to that point, uh, I have, for, for continual listeners, I have an update I want to share with you all. Yes, yes, do share. I've been seeing little tidbits here and there via Twitter or Facebook or this and that. So yep, lay people, it on us. If people what ha- who- wait, 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 wait. Here's here's the lead in. What has the world's best and most popular teacher come up with <laughs> this week? Oh, oh, you're talking about me. Well, uh, <laughs> you forgot see, most modest, right? And I'm oh, also sorry, mod- sorry, <laughs> modest and humble. Uh, for people who have been listening, uh, they know that my, my students at school have been interviewing people, uh, and I've been trying to find like big name, marginally big name people to um, come and in, in interview with them for an anti-bullying website that they made. And uh, last week, I announced that hopefully, I, it's kind of in the works, I'm working with his publicist, but Matt Damon, Mr. Damon, said that he might come and talk to my kids uh, over a phone interview. And uh, I... I have a new name. I just got it today. And now in my world, it's a big deal. And I'm assuming Brian and Mark, because you have younger kids, you know, children of your own. Um, I'm assuming it, you will know who this is as well, because it's actually oh, a, a, a Disney. Can we guess? Oh, well, I'll tell you, it's a Disney uh, group, I guess I'll say. And uh, not so much like the last year. Or so they've kind of faded out. But it was it was all the rage in my in my house for like a year and it, it beat the wiggles it beat uh, oh that was my probably, guess the wiggles <laughs> it, it was it's definitely not the wiggles and it's it, but the here let me watch? explain no no it's good it, they're actually good um i've noticed that the website now i have eighth graders so they think i'm a little corny but I, I noticed that we were getting a lot of traffic from elementary schools on this website so i thought i'd take some chances and i actually found a couple of these like younger Disney type people, I found their names and I thought, man, if I can get into Disney, that that's gold. So I have, and tell me if you know these guys, um, Disney has their own rock band called the Imagination Movers. Do you know oh, the yes, Imagination? Yes. My kids are interviewing the Imagination Movers and I, I am more excited than they are. I well, think that's the coolest thing. Mouse be there too? Um, I don't know. I, I, I could ask, have them just someone chirp in the background like them. And um, are you going to have them like sign your accordion? Oh, <laughs> shut up. No. Well, and even, you know, they're, they must be really cool guys because I've been going back and forth with their publicist and very similar to what we're doing right now. I record the audio using Skype 
And the publicist said, you know, they're on the road right now. They're actually on tour. And she said, they probably won't have access to a computer, but we can do it by phone. And I said, all right. And I said, well, I can call out using Skype, but I can't have a call coming in. So would it be possible by any chance for me to be able to contact you? And she said, oh, yeah, I'll give you all their cell phone numbers. Just try whichever one you want. I'm like, oh, I'm going to call them <laughs> on the way home and just chat. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> so either so, so their publicist said, I'm going to hang them out to dry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She doesn't realize I'm super fan. I actually two years ago, it was my my daughter at the time was had just turned three and they came right around here in concert and it was actually on my birthday so for my birthday my wife bought me and my kids <laughs> tickets so i've seen the imagination movers live in concert and it and was now you're cool. gonna have their cell numbers and you can post them on twitter <laughs> it'll be awesome i'm just gonna keep texting them hey guys what's going on this is your best buddy john yeah. <laughs> have you heard i'm the best teacher in the world and the most popular and everywhere <laughs> no i'm just gonna tie all my texts to them like back to the show Hey guys, I just brainstormed. Thanks. Thought you'd like to know. <laughs> oh, they're so gonna hate you. That's great. You're, you're right. You're right, Smitty. There is no bad ideas. <laughs> All right. Yes. Well, yeah. So people who uh, don't have kids have no idea what we've been talking about for the last five minutes now. So maybe we should just jump right into the show, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with no, without further ado, uh, let's bring on our guest. So joining us today is Andrew Miller. He's an education consultant with ASCD and the Buck Institute of Education. And he's going to be talking a little bit with us uh, about the concept of flipping the classroom. Um, Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So before we get started, um, give us your credentials. Tell us exactly what it is you do and um, why we should be listening to you today. Why should you be listening to me? I love it. Um, well, let's see. You know, I, I know you make it sound like okay. Well, here's my resume. Um, so, I've been te a teacher both, you know, in the brick and mortar classroom, classroom and online for quite, for many years. I, you know, I taught at the traditional high school. I moved to a smaller school and I did a lot of project-based learning, STEM, and edu educational technology work. Um, and while I was there, apparently, I did something right um, because then I started doing consulting work and writing and traveling the country and helping out teachers with their practice, both, you know, in terms of project-based learning, education technology, online learning. Um, I've done a lot of presentations at a lot of places, including iNACOL. Um, they're the online learning guru conference group and ASCD and CTE. Um, and then I'm also a regular blogger for Edutopia, and they do have a lot of great bloggers on there in different areas from elementary ed to technology to high school English. So, you know, that I've been, you know, I'll put it this way. I've been in the field, you know, shorter than most people. Um, and, but I'm, I'm one of those people that I just kept learning and kept learning about practices. And, uh, and I'm sure that, you know, you guys are, you know, you look at what's out there and I'm, I'm a skeptic. I'm a skeptic when it comes to things that come down the pipeline and I'm always thinking about ways to improve stuff. So that's kind of how I've come to where I am, um, in terms of, you know, what I do and, that that work wouldn't you agree though that with technology and education in particular you have to be a skeptic because it's really easy to get sucked into the next big thing or to start doing things just for the sake of saying you're doing them not necessarily because of educational value do you see that in in what it is that that you come across on your on your own 
Oh, continuously. I mean, I think probably. It, oh, I will. I will bet you, and I'm, this is a bet. I will take this bet. Okay, five dollars. <laughs> oh, big money, big money. I'm in. <laughs> but any any tech you know, like educational technology conference or even curriculum conference, and a lot of it will be like, look at this cool new tool, and it's all about the tool and not about the practice. You know, it's all about look at this cool thing and not about let's talk about you know how we teach. It's a tool, you know. It doesn't. I mean, and and I and I talk, when we talk about the flipped classroom, it's the same thing. This is a tool, you know. And just be. And I and I said this in my blog. Just because you flip the classroom doesn't necessarily mean you've you know quote unquote improved the way you teach. Excellent. I actually hate it when my teachers come back from a technology conference because as the you know tech director. Essentially, it becomes a long string of teachers waiting outside my door, and each one of them has a pile of flyers and things like that, you know, larger than four or five traditional textbooks. And the first one comes in, and they just start showing you flyer after flyer. I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and they said that this will really work. And then, you know, if you can just wait for the next two weeks... You know, you end up with like the two or three that actually stick, and you go with those. <laughs> oh, absolutely! No, no, I mean, and, and I hear that all the time. I mean, when I do my workshops, I I do like to showcase technology because I think it's important to model, you know, good mm-hmm. practices and effective uses. But I almost always have to say myself say that like a thousand times. Like, listen, this is just a tool. Okay, I'm not saying you should use it. I'm just showing you how you might use it. And of course, you're totally right. Like, oh, what is that? Oh, tell me what it is. Oh, please, please. I want to get it. Oh, is it free? How much does it cost? And I'm like, okay, you need to calm down. Like, I almost, again, I'm, it's, it's part of me is, is skeptical even showing technology sometimes because I experience the same thing you're talking about because they're going to run back to their administrator or their technology coordinator and say, you know, I, I've got to have this. And, and I, I think the first question that needs to come out of any person who's picking the technology is, so what are you going to do with it? Yep. I mean, that, well, you know, yep. what, what are you going to do? You know, one of my favorite analogies I heard, I was at a, actually, I was at a conference and this kind of topic came up and a guy said, you know, if you're a farmer, you buy a tractor because you have a field that needs to be plowed. No one buys a tractor and then goes, well, what can I do with it? I don't know. I can have a right. hay ride and I can, you know, <laughs> take it to the, like, you have to know what the purpose is before you get the tool. And so many teachers kind of miss that, that step when they're looking at new tools. John, in well, Texas, we do, in fact, buy tractors without knowing what to do with them. Right. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So you, know. you do drive them to work sometimes, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and even worse, it's like they buy, the, they buy the tool, and then they somehow try to fit it into something that doesn't work. It's like, the, oh, this is so cool, and then they look, and then, well, how can I make this work? And then you look at their, the implementation of the tool, and you go, well, that wasn't exactly the best we'd hope for. <laughs> yeah. And then they wonder why their plate seems to be so full because they're just trying to force things onto the plate that may or may right. not be improvement. Right. So, you're, you're forcing me to learn this new tool. It's so hard. I'm like, I didn't know. No, I never forced you to use it. You, just, I just <laughs> you know, okay, well, you know, we're, so, we're all on the same page with this one, I can tell. <laughs> and we've just, we've just alienated any teacher that would possibly listen to this. Thank you. We'll be done now. <laughs> no, and I mean, I'm, a, I'm a technology geek as much as the next guy. I really am. I mean, I love educational technology. I mean, I wrote a, I read blogs about using, uh, you know, MMOs in the classroom. I mean, how more nerdy and geeky can you get? 
But uh, but again, you know, I always try to come from that perspective of you know, here's how you would use the tool, and and, and but also here are some ways that might cause problems, you know, or or roadblocks. Sure. So yeah, no, but I mean, I hey, I love, I think, I think it again, I think with you know the budgeting, if you will, of online learning, it's providing some definitely some ways of teaching that we've never thought of doing before, um, and the same with any sort of technology tool. But again, I, I always say that you know, we got to focus on the practice first before we pick the tool. Sure. So on to flipping the classroom. Can, can we start by, say, or defining what it means to flip the classroom? Because right. I don't know that everybody, you know, understands or follows the concept perhaps as close as we may. So what does it mean when we say flip the classroom? Right. Um, so in, in a nutshell, it's basically where you take your traditional teaching methods, um, you know, your traditional methods, you, which are usually, you know, direct instruction or lecture for that matter. Mm-hmm. And you, you literally take that piece of your instruction and you move it outside of the traditional classroom time. So in, in the idea is that, you know, instead of talking to kids for, you know, 50 minutes or so, um, you instead move what would have been quote unquote homework, if you will, um, you know, applying the knowledge, working with the knowledge, wrestling with the knowledge. You move that stuff into the actual classroom and the lecture occurs somewhere else, usually by through recorded videos that students either watch that watch somewhere else, you you know, at home as homework or, you know, in a blended learning model where you have both, you know, your online and your in in, in person learning. The, the, the video learning would occur outside of the classroom. Now, as the teacher of the group, my first thought when looking at flipping the classroom is I give homework, and basically what the model does is you do the homework in class with them, and they, they learn the content on their own. Correct. As the teacher, I think, well, that's a nice idea. However, my kids don't bother doing the homework I assign them now. What's going to keep them from not learning the content that's assigned that night as part of that flipped model. Like, what what have you heard in that regard? You've hit the question that <laughs> I ask every single time somebody says, "I want to flip my classroom," or "I've heard about flipping the classroom and I want to do this." You you just like I said, just because I record a video doesn't mean it's going to make kids want to watch the video. I mean. It's just that, you know, same thing, you know, just because I give kids homework doesn't mean they're going to want to do it. And so, again, like I said, we have to focus instead on what we do in the classroom to create engagement and then connect the, you know, this is, this is what we're doing in the classroom. Like I said, whether you're using project-based learning, whether you're using like a highly authentic, you know, assignment, and then connect it to, well, hey, guys, if we're doing this, what do, you know, what do we need to know to get this done? You know, and they're going to say, well, you know, I actually could use some kind of direct help on, you know, if it's these, this math concept or persuasive writing or whatever you're teaching. And you say, that's great. So I've recorded a very, you know, a video for you to watch to help you with learning that content. So I, but again, notice that you have to connect the learning that's flipped with what's in the classroom. You can't just say, go watch the video. You have to create relevance. You have to create a reason to do it. Do you find that this fits with today's students better in terms of the society they live in? Do they seem to engage more with this model? Well, I, I think that 
I think that, you know, we like to say that kids love technology, and I think that there is a ring of truth to that. I think that any time you engage technology in the classroom, I mean, we, we live in a world where a lot of our kids are, you know, what we call digital natives. You know, they're, they're highly engaged in technology. It's part of their world. So by doing this, it actually kind of goes, well, actually, I, I could do that. I could, you know, watch it somewhere else. I'm okay with watching a video and learning from that. And it's better than hearing Miller talk for five, you know, hours. Gosh. You know, so I mean, I think it, part of it rings true to, to many kids, um, and I think it rethinks the way that we use time in education, you know, it, 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 and this is what I talk about in terms of, you know, a start for teacher practice, I talked about in my blog, as a start, and I'm using that word 5,000 times, a start, in that it, you know, allows the teacher to rethink how they're teaching, and what they're teaching, and how they're using their time, and making them realize, gosh, maybe I don't have to stand up in front of the classroom and, you know, pontificate and explain and talk for, you know, minutes and minutes of my classroom time. Maybe I can just really use that time to meet with kids one-on-one -on -one and provide some differentiated work and, and some fun, engaging things to do in my classroom. And then, you know, that's great. So, you know, like I said, I, I kind of went around your question. I'm kind of all over the place. But like I said, I think it's kind of a yes and a no. Yeah, well, first of all, um, our show is always all over the place, so you're fitting in perfect right now, so don't worry about <laughs> that part. Good. Uh, but, but you do bring up some good points, and I think even if you were to look at something like flipping the classroom as um, a theoretical practice, it does get teachers starting to think about where they can integrate those ideas um, where it's, I mean, you can never hit that ideal of what flipping the classroom is. I mean, I've heard people say, well, I can record lessons and then kids will pull out their iPod touches and watch my videos on the way to school. No, they're not. They're going to talk to their friends or they're going to listen to their music or they're going to play Angry Birds. They're not going to watch a math lesson on the school bus. Like, let's, that's the ideal, but let's be realistic. Like, where, where is the threshold where they will actually get out of it what they should? And I think that's what if teachers even think about that and look at their own classrooms and look at the dynamic in their classroom and the makeup of their classrooms, then they can start to figure out how they could actually use that idea. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the best ways, I mean, in a kind of a modified way of flipping the classroom is, you know, is, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, I'm sure, well, good teachers don't lecture on the time anyways. You know what I mean? Like, so this only thing, this thing is only talking about lecture, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, so hopefully you're not lecturing all the time. And, you know, you wouldn't need to, quote unquote, flip your classroom at all. I mean, if that makes sense. But at the same time, you know, I've seen some, some schools where, you know, they're using it as kind of a, a, a differentiated method. So they've done some great work in class. And as students are going into more independent work or something, then teach the kids who might be maybe need an extra, some extra help or some review or just another moment to look at the content. I've seen teachers set up like, you know, computer stations and said, okay, so if you need an extra, you know, need an extra, you know, 20 minute, 30 minute lesson on this or some extra practice, um, we have learning stations available for you. And again, it kind of frees the teacher up from having to, you know, how do I put this, you know, have to work and, and, and give many lessons all the time. Instead, the computer can provide that while a teacher is, you know, checking in with them, but maybe working with a small group over here. So, I, I, like I said, it does free the teacher up in some aspect to, you know, be able to work with more kids in different ways. Sure. And, you know, a lot of the flipping right now is really heavy. Um, I would say, like, math, maybe some science. That's typically what I see when people right. are doing this. And I'm an English teacher, 
And again, you know, you take away what you can from the theoretical practice of it. And I really stuck to the idea of, you know, I can't really make a video of identifying metaphors. It, it's just not going to work. However, right. what I've found it work, and it, it's not maybe true flipping, but it's certainly that same essence of being able to go home and, and use material. I've actually gotten really good at or comfortable with recording myself during the class. So say I have uh, yeah. an essay due or something. While I'm giving directions or I might be modeling and I even use my iPad hooked up to the projector, but I'll use one of the, the whiteboard apps that are on there and I'll do the outline on there and record that and then post that. So that is kind of in a sense almost that differentiation where they can go back and either relearn whatever I did or refresh. They have that now video that they can use. Now it's not new content, but for me in my class, that made the most sense to me. So yeah, there's all kinds of ways you can use this concept. Right, absolutely. And I think that, that what you're doing right there is a great way of doing it. I, I know that even, it's, it's funny, you know, we talk about higher ed, and higher ed's always the last one to jump on the boat in terms of, you know, any sort of like major reform efforts. And, and, and I'm seeing, you know, college professors doing the same thing. I mean, they're stuck in that very traditional world, let's be honest. And, uh -huh. But they're recording part of their lectures, and you can go, I mean, like iTunes U, for example, you know, yeah, and YouTube iTunes, you, you, yeah, you can re re download lectures from people at Harvard and MIT and, you know, all these places. And, and that's, that's pretty cool, to be honest. Well, that begs the question, but, at what age level is it appropriate to do this? I mean, uh, you know, we, we do hear of high school and, and higher ed, but uh, have you ever seen, uh, you know, a third grade teacher flipping the classroom? <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've seen, I'll put it this way, I've seen online and blended learning models for... Um, middle school and elementary kids, and I'm sure that because of that, they use an el the element of flipping the classroom. I mean, the model of blended learning is really, you know, you come to class to, to you know, do ac projects, activities, things around the content, and when you go home, it's much more, I would call, push out of content. So, I, I mean, I'm sure there are some schools out there that are using that model, but those are, you know, but again, it's, it, notice how it's, it's it's within a model that works for them. It's not just in a you know traditional run of the mill elementary or middle school that's you know five days a week you're going to school. It's definitely a different model. I guess my question is more related to. I mean, we've got these neat ideas, and as a techie, you know, I love the idea of using the technology and you know streaming your your information in your lectures and having those available it's all really cool but is there a real benefit to the students and you know or yeah. is it just the coolest thing to do and the latest thing and hey we're using right. technology so it's got to be better that's right yeah i hear i hear what you're saying i mean I, like you said we're skeptics here and i and i get that i think some of the <laughs> some of the some of the pros around it again is that what i just talked about is that it does free up the, uh, the, the thing for the teacher to support students one-on-one -on -one more often, you know, so like if, if I have a kid who needs to watch a video and, and I, I can put that kid, it sounds really bad, I can put that kid in front of a computer, it sounds so rude, um, and then I can run over to this small group and work with them, but sometimes that might work, you know, that might be an effective practice. Um, I think the other thing around it is that it, it also allows students to work at their own pace. So if I'm watching a video and I don't get something, uh, you can rewatch it. You can go back. You can ch watch sure. it again. You can, you can, you can, you know, look at something that maybe just, you know, find it again. And say, oh, that wasn't really good. And the idea is that, so the idea of revisiting concepts isn't so, you know, 
stigmatized. I think sometimes when in, in education, it's like, oh, I have to revisit that con- that concept again. You know, it's like, well, that's not a bad thing. Kids sometimes need to do that. What's wrong with that? So, you know, it's, sure. it, I think that's good for the students. And I also think that um, I, I think it kind of lessens the frustrations um, around it um, in terms of, you know, making it, le- I'll put it this way, it's not as boring when I'm in the classroom. You know, when I'm in the classroom, it's not like, sure. I'm not saying, you know, everyone's a bad lecturer, but if you're lecturing every day, uh, <laughs> we've got a problem. Um, so yeah, Even you the know, best I, lecturer is a bad lecturer, let's be honest. Right, it's, it's still, <laughs> got that word. right, it's still a lecturer. You know, it's still a lecture. So what? You know, I don't want to have a lecture. I mean, so again, around that is just a, a little tip for anybody who's thinking about flipping the classroom. Please make your videos concise, short, concept-based. You know, they, you know I, I don't want a kid to watch a video for 60 minutes. I, I, I think some of the best videos are something that's really quick and dirty, like 10 minutes. You know, just, just reviewing a concept, going over concept examples, so that it's, it's kind of like, oh, okay, I can... Because it's all about manageability, you know. We don't. We know kids' attention spans. I mean, just sure. in general. So you know, don't don't just replicate you know a sixty-minute lecture. Chunk it out into multiple parts. You know, that's but, just another thing to think about. Well, how often are you actually noticing that the teach what is being r- realized? Are the teachers actually recording like their, you know, three-hour Stephen Hawking version of you know their lecture, or are they actually doing? these short, concise things? Most of them, I would say, are short and concise, but, that, but the reason they're short and concise is because a lot of them are already going to what's already out there. I mean, the big one out there is Khan Academy, um, and a lot of those videos are shorter. So it's, you know, okay. and because of that, they can, you know, it's, they, but I'm just saying anybody who's thinking about doing it by themselves, the, the tendency might be to go in and just kind of record what you do all day, and that may not be the best thing to do. Sure. One of the complaints I hear from teachers who are talking about doing this is first, they don't want to basically take all their time at home or after school or whatever it is making these videos to then upload wherever so kids can then retrieve them. And there's there's two arguments there. First of all, right. like you just said, there's plenty of good content out there, especially for math. Khan Academy is pretty much the place to go. It has everything and it uses pretty common language as far as math terms go. And then the other argument too, especially for content that doesn't change. I mean, math is going to be math now or in 10 years from now. Once you make that video, in whatever capacity you choose to use it, that video is there. You can use it with any group of kids regardless of what year it is. So maybe up front that collateral is a little high, but you have to look at the returns. You know, if you're willing to commit to something like this, it's certainly worth doing. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, that's the whole idea is, you know, building your library of teacher bag of tricks. I mean, it's just like I mean, we do that in teaching all the time. I mean, we start year one and it's baptism by fire and we're making things <laughs> up as we go along, you know. Oh, like, year one, it's oh, like the it. first six years. <laughs> right, right? So, I mean, you're coming up with stuff all the time and you're, you're trying something out and it doesn't work and you throw it away. So you have to come up with something else or you have to refine it. So, again, I think, you know, I would I would my parallel on that is, well, don't you do that anyways? I mean, I know teachers that go home and work on stuff all the time or use their planning period all the time. So, I mean, I think it's just all about, you know, choice. How do you want to use your time? If you find if you find that this is working for your kids, then go for it. If you find it's not, then don't. I mean, it's just, again, it's another tool to engage kids, another instructional strategy. There's so many out there that work. And if this happens to work with your kids based on what you've got going for you, then I think it's, it's totally worth it. In your opinion, is it more difficult 
to start planning your lessons in this flipped model than it is any other teaching method that's out there right now? So it sounds like you're kind of an expert on a lot of those, aren't you? Well, I would say, yeah. I mean, I think it depends on what kind of a teacher you are. Um, If you are a little more old school um, and you're doing this model, it you may you start recording your videos and then you start looking at what you do as a teacher and you might go, uh, what 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 do I do? You know what I mean? Like I, all I do is talk all day, you know, <laughs> so, or I don't have a bag of tricks that's not direct instruction, you know, and that would then then you've really got a challenge because now you're really starting creating activities and projects from scratch. But if you're a teacher that already has those things in in your bag of tricks, then this won't be as difficult because you have that stuff. Actually, a lot of times I always talk to teachers and that's what they say to me is they say, oh, I wish I could do those things that I used to do years ago. You know, those engaging activities. But I have no time because, you know, you mean teachers are forced to teach the test and a lot of the times the curriculum that is out there is very traditional and very direct instruction based. I mean, I'm not saying direct instruction doesn't work. I, I, I... in every classroom, even the project-based classroom, you have very clear drill and practice, direct instruction, traditional things. But the thing is, is that those practices are filtered through something authentic, something engaging, something that matters. You know, I got to tell you, Andrew, you just brought up a point that I never thought of that is a great uh, plus for flipping the classroom. It's almost there's a, a built-in reflection piece for teachers, too, because they're going to watch that back and see what they're doing <laughs> and, and what they're doing well and not. And I can speak from experience, not exactly with flipping the classroom with videos, but with this podcast. I mean, the first like dozen episodes, I'd listen back and I totally develop complexes because I paid attention to every little verbal tick every time I'd stutter, every time I'd say um or like and I find myself now when I'm in the classroom, you know, it's a different scenario, but I, when I'm in front of people being very careful with those things I'm saying and how I'm presenting myself. So it did help me for the better. And that's interesting. It's almost like this little extra advantage to doing something like this. Right. I mean, that, and that's why I talk about how it is a start in the right direction, because it does, if you start to do it and you're one of those teachers that maybe isn't as, you know, maybe, I don't want to say the word progressive, but just, you know, has a variety of tricks or whatever in, in their teacher bag of tricks, like, it, it does, you know, cause you to go, hmm, what, what, what am I doing, and how am I doing it, and, and is this working, or, so yeah, it kind of builds it in and, and requires a reflective practice, which we know is good for teachers, just to, you know what I mean, but we do that all, I mean, good teachers do that all the time, they're always thinking about, well, right. that didn't work today. Yeah. 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 Well, watching yourself back will either make you a better teacher or make you completely paranoid. It's one of the two. (laughs) No, I know. And like, it's funny how you brought that up here, and I'm talking, talking into this microphone. You say, "Yeah, I was thinking about all the ticks I have," and I'm going, "Do I have those?" Yeah. (laughs) Did did I have too many ums? Look at this. You're making me panic here, man. This is. And I, I know. Well, I even notice sometimes we'll have guests on that are from south, the south, and even Mark. Same thing. You know, your your pace is much more relaxed. So now we'll have people on from like New Orleans, like down that way, Louisiana, and and I'll actually feel bad. Like I'll try to make myself talk slower because I'm up north. We don't we don't stop moving up up in New York here. So <laughs> even stuff like that, like I pay very close attention to now. We may talk slow, right. but we can still think fast. Don't worry about that's that. right. <laughs> Oh, you're they just buying yourself their words more time. Carefully. <laughs> I was just gonna say it's fast thinking is only relative to the speed of their speaking. Yeah, well, I just the more words I get out, at some point, some of them's gonna sound intelligent. I don't know how, what percentage, but that's what I hope for. And in my case, I think I speak until I know what I want to say. And other people, you know, 
think until they know what they want to say and then speak. You know. Know. Either way, we you're all get pro- there. You're a process speaker is what you are. <laughs> so with this flipped classroom idea, what resources, you know, I'm thinking about our budget crises and our schools and everything like that. And teachers are going to say, well, I don't, I don't have the equipment that I need to record and do this and, and to actually flip the classroom. So, you know, you know, in a worst case scenario, what is the least amount of equipment or resources do we need to try to make this work? And then, you know, what would a best case scenario actually look like? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, well, obviously you need a video, you know, it depends. Like if you're going to kind of like use video camera to talk to kids and show them things or something like, uh, for instance, like iMovie or, or any sort of thing where you have, you probably already have a slide deck or things to project if you're going to do a lecture. You probably have that stuff prepared. So as long as you can do that digitally, that's fine. And then, of course, you need a way to record it, you know, audio style. You know, you got to be able to do that. You don't necessarily have to record a video. You can use a microphone. Um, and, and that's all you really need to do it. Um, and then the other thing is maybe, a, you know, a YouTube account. Now, of course, we could talk about, well, YouTube's blocked other places, you know, TeacherTube, other places like that. And sometimes just recording the video itself um, and, you know, uploading it to your own, like, Dropbox or whatever sort of digital place you put it. And a lot of those places are free. You can, you know, upload those, those things for free. So, uh, you know, I think that's pretty much the bare minimum, a way to record in terms of software, but there's a lot of free stuff already on your computer. Um, make sure that you have whatever you're going to project, whether that's, you know, uh, you know, graphic organizers or, you know, examples, you know, have a way to do that within the software itself and then just record the audio. In terms of like, you know, that's for the teacher, right? That's for the teacher. What about the kids? What do they need to have in order to access that which you have, you know, prepared? Um, and, I, and I will say this, you know, they need some way to watch it and that could be anything. That could be, you know, a kid, like you said, looking at their iPhone, you know, as they're watching, we're talking. You know, mobile learning is another another thing in terms of education that's kind of taking off right now, and that kids can look at their materials, you know, through their phone or any sort of mobile piece. Um, so they just need to be able to watch it from whatever tool they have. Um, and again, like, you know, we could talk about what if kids don't have phones or you know, you know, don't don't have the access to the internet at home, and I and I understand that. And then then I would say, well, then don't do it. You know. Or make it, you know, like I said, a more of a differentiated option in your classroom. You, you definitely have to work within the resources that you have available. Um, but that's just kind of the bare minimum. And as far as the equity piece goes, I always think back. I don't know why. It just really stuck in my head way back. It was one of the first episodes we had um, William Chamberlain on. He was a teacher in Missouri. And he was talking about how rural Missouri, most of his kids didn't have um, internet at home and as far as like a network connection for their computers. However, he said like 85% of them had cell phones and that always sticks really big in my head. And I really argue now that that whole digital divide is starting to narrow simply because of all these mobile devices. So tying that into the flip classroom, you can, if you put it on YouTube, you can pull that video up on a cell phone and you now have a way to, to do that even if a kid doesn't necessarily have internet access at home. I mean, come on, let's be honest. 95% of kids are going to have access one way or the other if you kind of now start to factor in that cell phone piece. No, absolutely. I think that every, you know, there, there, there's so many op- uh, ways to get to the content 
Um, and I, you know, I, I, and I said this, I think, in my blog a little bit that I said, you know, there, we can talk about the things that get in the way, but don't let the things that get in the way uh, block you from the possibilities. Right. Um, that, you know, you know, you don't want to let something that could work get in the way. Like, oh, because I hear that a lot from, you know, teachers, you know, this is getting in the way, this isn't working. And I always say, okay, I hear you there. I, I, I respect that. But are you going to shut this option out completely out of your practice because of that problem? And that's just a reflective question. You might say yes, you might say no, but I would always ask teachers to think about before they say no to something that could work, that might work, you know, think about that first. So we started this interview basically telling teachers not to try anything new. And, <laughs> right? and then we moved on and we started talking about this new thing. So now we've won them back. Uh, so tell us, Andrew. <laughs> There's a teacher now that's saying, all right, I'm all about this. Let's do this whole flipping thing. How do they begin that process? Where do they start? The first place to start is to focus on what you do in the classroom as a teacher and reflect on that. You have to do that. Um, because if, if you just decide, oh, I'm going to start recording the videos, that's not going to work. Um, so the first thing is to think about what you already do in the classroom and what, what bag of tricks do you have in terms of engaging things that you've done with kids. Do you use game-based learning? Do you use project-based learning? Do you use authentic you know, literacy? Of course, I'm just spouting off all those names of engaging <laughs> pedagogical models that work. I mean, focus Name on dropper. those first. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Name dropper. You know? but, but I mean, I'm saying it because you know, it's, it's all about practice first and what you do with kids. And then from there, I would recommend go start small. Start very small. And you should do this, obviously, with anything you're thinking about starting new and teaching. So look, look at one of your units or lessons or, you know, mini units or projects and say, okay, so I have this project and it really works with kids in terms of, you know, what I do and it really engages them um, or I have this uh, game-based activity. It really works. Um, what do I do next? Well, look at in there and go, all right, what is, what's in there that's mostly push out? Me standing and deliver, you know, or, you know, those types of things, more drill and skill, more direct. Those are the things that you might consider recording and flipping, so to speak. Um, and, and give those things a shot. That's, you gotta, so it's all about, it's first about focusing on your teaching, what you do well, finding something that you want to work on, and then looking at the, the things that are more push out of content. And those would be the most likely natural things that you would probably record. Um, and, then, and then from there, just go to the calendar and start thinking about you know, how you're going to you know, do the whole unit, what's going to occur offline and, uh, you know, and, and online, so to speak, um, you know, in the classroom or outside of the classroom. And again, I would say around that, around, you know, this equity piece um, that you bring up, and equity is very important to me, you know, I, I, when I, when I, you know, you said you assigned homework, you know, and, and I'll be honest, I always get a little nervous about homework, mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it really definitely has to do with your kids. I mean, some kids, and I don't want to say can't do homework, but may not be in a situation where homework is the most feasible thing to do. Um, and, and we could talk about what that means, you know, based on, you know, home life or, you know, socioeconomic, you know, status and all those things that we talk about in terms of equity. So, you know, and, and, and maybe it's not appropriate homework. Maybe it's just another differentiated tool, like I said, that you're going to use in the classroom. Um, it's not necessarily homework, but it's still there to provide extra practice, differentiated instruction for kids. Yeah, I always argue with homework that part of it is 
playing the game. They have to learn to play the game. You, they get something that they have to do. They do it. They bring it back. And that, I think, more than anything, is an important life skill to learn. You know, when you're given a task, you need to complete it. But the other half of that is I'm well aware that you know, God knows what condition some of my kids go home to, whether it's, you know, abusive parents or money problems or substance abuse or whatever the case. So when a kid has been up all night keeping dad from beating up mom, how can I fault him for not having my, you know, my reading comprehension questions done? You know, like there's a lot bigger stuff going on in their life right now. So yeah, you're right. Like that's a, oh, that's a topic for a whole other time, I think. But you actually (laughs) brought up a good point. (laughs) Right. I mean, and like I said, if you're if what you're recording is manageable, you know, and like I said, it's got to be small. You know, it's not right. like you know a giant sixty minute video or a homework assignment. You know, here's some practice. Here's something to look at. Here's something to think about. Something small. You know, then then I think we can start talking about that. That's much more effective use of homework in general. And so if you want, so your video in terms of the video being the homework, that seems much more you know feasible. Yeah. As somebody who hated homework my entire life, I'm <laughs> would tend to lean towards. You know, I think I might be able to handle the short little video, the the comprehension questions. They got to go. <laughs> Sorry, see, John. Brian, right. just- you see what I'm saying, though, Brian? Like now you're a, a, well, a quote unquote responsible adult. You have <laughs> well, a job. Right. You have a you have a job. And when your boss says, you know, Brian, I need this you know, report. You don't go to him the next day and say, well, I, you know, I, I, I forgot it or my printer <laughs> ran out of ink, you know, or dear, you don't go to a meeting and say, I forgot a pencil, you know, like you, you've learned at some point in your life, you can't do those things. And I think that's a big Absolutely. piece of, see, I'm on a soapbox now. So you guys can just oh, sit right. back and I can talk for a while on this. But. <laughs> well, well, you know, in terms of your example, you know, you talked about your reading comprehension questions. If you were flipping the classroom more, more than likely those reading comprehension class questions would occur in class and the homework would have been, I mean, obviously it would have been a short reading. Yeah, it, you know what I mean? It can't be so, me reading to them, right? <laughs> right. So, so or, and, but it's the same thing. Like if you gave, if you recorded a lecture on, you know, some, some, a math concept, you would then say, okay, so you guys, you watch that short video about how to convert, you know, fractions into percentages. Okay. So we're going to practice that in, in class today. So instead of giving that as homework practice, that would come into the classroom. And, 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 and that would be the, the, the practice. That, and that's another, again, another pro of it is that you as a teacher can really know if your kids are getting it because they're practicing it in class and you can immediately help them as opposed to here these kids are struggling at home, not knowing if they're going to get it, you know, the practice part. Well, if they're in the classroom, you can go, hey, let me help you right then and there. Sure. Now, I'm going to cheat a little bit here because... Andrew, I actually went out and read um, one of your latest blog posts on the best practices of flipping the classroom. So my question is actually going to be, are there any best practices? And you clearly can't say no because you wrote about some. You're pitching Um, him a softball question right here. You realize that? (laughs) But, you know, thinking about... Right? (laughs) You know, thinking about my childhood and, you know, I nearly failed my math classes because... You know, we'd be assigned homework, you know, one through, you know, 70 odd or even or whatever. And I would literally go home and do, you know, five to seven problems, one in every section or maybe two if I didn't get it. And then I quit because in my world, I knew what I was doing. I was done. And I used to always get in trouble from my teachers because I failed every homework assignment, but then did well on the tests. So. 
when we talk about flipping the classroom, are we seriously talking about giving them the lecture and then having them come to class and say, okay, kids, now you're going to do one through 70 odd <laughs> while I stand here and watch you. Well, yeah, I mean, we're not you, doing you that, are we? There. <laughs> you, you, first of all, you're talking about not great teaching, <laughs> just in general, you know, because, I mean, no, giving kids that much practice, I mean, Oh, I had the same thing. You know, I had, you know, when I took, you know, my math courses, it was, you know, it was the exact same thing. You know, okay, one through 60, you know, even go, you know, I mean, so I'm not saying you do all those in the class, but you are right in that you would bring that application of the knowledge into the classroom where the more modeling and push out of the content would occur offline. But, but again, as I said before, it's, it, it, the, it needs to be within a context that matters, as in a project that matters, a game that matters, an activity that matters, something that's fun and engaging. That, that's the only way you're going to create the need to actually watch the video, not because you know, sure. Miller says so. You know, just because I say anything doesn't mean it's going to happen. So <laughs> you have to create the engagement around it first. Um, another practice I think is important, like I said, is also make sure that your videos are not beastly long and insane. You know, short, <laughs> concise, manageable videos are good. And the other thing is, um, you know, reflection um, in that, so you've created these, these videos at, at home that are, that are manageable. You have also have um, an engaging, you know, modality or model of learning in your classroom but you still have to create reflection and connection between what they're doing in the classroom to what they're going to do at home. And that, like that, those metacognitive pieces have to happen. It's not that you can just say, oh, they'll make that connection. They will totally understand that this, when they go home and watch it, it will help them in this project. That may or may not happen. Your high, you know, your more, you know, your high achieving students, if you will, will probably make that connection. But the kids who are really trying to reach in the classroom, you have to build that very specific time for reflection just, you know, where you have journals or discussion questions on, yeah, so what do you need to get this done, you know, this project? Or our next step in this project is this, what knowledge do you need? Or, hey, you watched this video last night, how, did that, how is that going to help you perform well on this game that we play today in classroom? So again, that, so reflection is, is so key if you're going to do it. Sure. Well, Andrew, this has been a, a great conversation. I think we covered a lot of points in a little bit of uh, a small amount of time on it's a huge, huge concept. So um, I'm sure that you elaborate more on that in your, your blog post. So we'll make sure that we link to that as well. But I uh, want to thank you for coming on. Before we let you go, is there anything else you want to add? Oh, gosh, what do I want to add? Um, it's always the hardest do, question. It's so yeah, more takeaway. Like, <laughs> what is one takeaway from this thing? Um, Focus on your teaching before you focus on the tool. There you uh, go. Excellent final thought. Uh, Andrew Miller, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Thanks for having me. It's been a good time. I had a really good time. What a great conversation. He was just a cool guy. He totally fit in with us. I don't Absolutely. know if that's a compliment or not, but yeah, uh, well, it was a good time to talk to. It was one of those conversations that I felt like we could end up you know, three hours down the road on a tangent that was really engaging, but had nothing to do with the topic. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Well, and then the thing with something like this, it's such a big idea and it really is so game changing that it pulls in all these other topics. You know, one of them I wanted to bring up and I knew that we were running kind of long already, but I'm thinking a lot right now 
about, especially in New York State, but this is going to be happening everywhere. Some places already is. They're coming up with new teacher evaluations and, and those kinds of things. There's more that societal look on education. And I was wondering about that and how that would affect it. And I'm would, thinking would about that actually improve because the parents would actually be able to watch your videos too and learn. So would it actually help them understand what their children are learning better? Well, see, I'm almost thinking of it as a, a digital paper trail in a sense, and, and that could sure. be good or bad for the teacher because like <laughs> yeah. you said, like the, the parent <laughs> can see that, but I'm thinking when a teacher gets that ineffective rating and enough years of that consider, you know, that ineffective rating, they get booted. And that's really on the minds of a lot of people right now as far as, uh, you know, what's coming in education. Sure. Having all of your lessons and having these videos made, that's almost a safety net now. Because if kids are doing poorly, you could go to those sure, and say, can... look, at, look at what I'm doing. Look how good I'm doing. However, yep. on the flip side, if a teacher sucks, Absolutely. their videos are going to suck. <laughs> you know? See, so but I, it, how many teachers do you know that are really you know, just honestly hate evaluations just for the sake of evaluation, meaning they don't think that they should right. ever be evaluated. I don't know, except for a couple that maybe are really horrible teachers, anybody who says, you know, they don't believe they should be evaluated. That being said, you know, making, you know, right. obscene or, you know, grave generalizations on that evaluation is what they're afraid of. You know, they're afraid of losing their job, despite the fact that they may be a quality teacher. Right. Well, and let's be honest, too. You know, at least, again, I'm, I can only speak for New York State. But in New York State, what we're hearing is that it's kind of built into the system that 5% of the teachers in every school district is going are going to be statistically rated as an ineffective teacher. And that's scaring all these teachers. You know, what if I get chosen as that? And by no means am I saying it's a good system, because it really isn't. I mean my performance this year with the group of kids I have cannot be compared to the group of kids I have next year because I don't know who they are yet. And it's, it's, you know, apples to sure. oranges, but you know, you can honestly think about this in any school. You can stop right now and think about the teachers that you work with. Could you pick 5% of them that, you know, deserve to get maybe a fire lit under them? Yeah. I mean, it, so it, I, you know, so that's the other piece a of this fire is, lit, perhaps an actual firing. Yeah debatable. <laughs> right. Well, so I, you know, that's why I didn't want to bring this up with, with Andrew in, in the conversation sure. because, you know, that's why I, this whole flipped classroom thing is such a big deal because it does point all these other things. You know, when someone starts thinking about making videos, they think of it as an instruction purpose, but it, are those videos going to come back to save you or are they going to come back to hurt you? You know, that's just a whole other piece. Absolutely. I don't think it should be based on one evaluation or something like that. No. Like, you know, there should be some clear pattern, but doing this video type of a thing is going to give you a paper trail, whether it's positive or negative. And, you know, if you're going to say that I'm in favor of it or, or against it, um, then it's, um, you know, good or bad. But ultimately, I like the idea of it showing the true colors of a teacher, because then once you see those true colors of that teacher, an effective decision could be made whether in their favor or, you know, not in their favor. I'm looking but, at right. this from a different point of view and, and, and you guys are both parents. Uh, That's hard to from, imagine. Look at it from the parent <laughs> point of view. Um, I, I can't conceive of my kids. Yeah, there are three of them. I can't imagine each of them coming up with an opportunity to have an hour a night quiet and unmolested 
to listen to a video. You know, homework, math homework, you can do in chunks and you can come back to it and you can be disrupted. But when you're watching a lecture, um, it doesn't really work that way. You you totally lose continuity. So I, I, I'm just trying to figure out how that would work in my household. Um, we would have to build on extra rooms and... Uh, <laughs> You know, and, they would all be in there your, with you in the yeah, your pod room. <laughs> We'd have to take turns. We'd have to have like a sign-in sheet for the for the podcast room. Um, that's my concern with it. I, I just schools are built for that interaction. Homes are not. Right. No, I agree with you. And you know, like I mentioned earlier with in the interview, I think every teacher has to look at it as a, almost a a theoretical, a philosophical education model, and then see what they can take away from that. And Mark, you're absolutely right. Like I looked at the group of kids I have, and I know realistically they're not going to listen to me for 20 minutes or however long my little video might be. And that's why I use it more as a supplemental tool. You know, there's times when sure. I'll I'll pull up you know an app and do a quick little whiteboard video, and then toss it on our website and say, if you need that, it's there. And that's my way of doing it because if a kid truly needs it, then they'll find that time and of course it's not going to be an hour it's going to be four minutes or five minutes but i think every teacher has to look at the group they have know their kids and know what's going on in their classroom and how that can be incorporated couldn't you even even just start you know assuming you have the equipment to do it and just literally set up the laptop and point it at you or whatever your camera device is you know connected to point it at you and just record you know your instructional piece at the whiteboard if you're lecturing or whatever. Oh, yeah. And and yeah. then just post that online. So then at least when the kid is doing something, it's not taking any real more time. It's a few clicks of your, you know, of your time in front of the students. I can understand that. But if you could make that available to the students fairly easily, wouldn't that actually benefit them without taking a whole lot more additional time on the part of the teacher? Oh, sure. You know, I did that in New York. We have one of the parts of our state exam is a listening section. The kids listen to a, a piece and then they have to um, go back and, and write a, a response, an extended response based on the notes they took. And I've done that before and it takes pretty much zero extra time on my part. When I'm reading it out loud to the kids, I know realistically there's going to be a couple students who are absent that day. So I'll stand next to my laptop with Audacity running and I'll record myself saying whatever it is I have to say. And the next day when a kid comes in and says, I was absent, I'm not going to reread that five minute passage. I'm going to say, put these headphones on the other kids are working on their essays. So yeah, there's sure. ways that you, you got to think those things through in order to make, you know, any kind of recording work in a classroom. Awesome. Well, speaking yeah. of recordings, we probably should wrap this one up. What do you say? Yeah, really, well, I, I feel like obligated. We have to throw a tip out there and I guess this will be my tip slash shout out of the, uh, of the show. <laughs> So I slipped Will Chamberlain's name in there earlier. I, he's one of my buddies now. Your website again? No, 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 not not again. <laughs> we'll start with that. I'm not going to end this week. No, um, you know, a while back we had um, Kika Gilbert on. Actually, I think Brian, that may have been right before you. Yes. Um, we us when Sean was still with us, but she uh, was a guest we had on for the Show Me app on the iPad, and mm -hmm. I feel. Like it's worth mentioning since the whole topic has been flipping the classroom. But if you don't know what that is, um. It's an app that basically acts as a whiteboard on your iPad, and it also has a recording feature as well, so you can record your voice and whatever strokes you're making on the iPad. And it's just it's a great tool. And I actually know better things are coming. I guess is my this is my disclosure. Um, after that show, she put me on as like a beta tester. So they keep adding more and more functionality to it, and it's a free app, totally worth it if you have an iPad. And I use it in my classroom. Actually, I hook my iPad right up to a projector, so. 
it basically turns my iPad into an an interactive whiteboard, also mm-hmm. with that recording functionality. So that'll be my, I guess it's kind of a cheap tip because we did a whole show on it. So it's not exactly something new, but uh, we never really <laughs> got into talking about that during the interview. So that, that'll be my tip of the week. Awesome. Well, I'll let you guys all know how to contact us. There's a few ways. Um, elementopi.com slash teacher is always a good choice. While you're over there, check out all the other cool Element OP podcasts um, and find one you like and let us know about it. Um, you can do so in the forums or whatever it may be. You can also find us on Twitter at Element Opie, at John Mikulski, at Bruger, or at Mark Cockrell. Um, also you can find us at facebook.com slash element opie or via phone five, five, nine, I am opie. All right. Well, I guess that about wraps it up guys. Um, so for episode 35, uh, I'm going to say ready for this. I've been working on this the whole episode. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Oh, I <laughs> so knew that was coming. <laughs> Go ahead, Mark, be that one, because you always top me. (laughs) And I'll catch you guys later. Good night. Bye, everybody.